lunch at Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback where we look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I'm of course your host Tyler McCrane, joined with me as always is uh, my, uh, uh, you know what, with this current condition you could even say my uh, swampy, uh, my flooded uh, friend here, Cal Reader. Cal, how the hell are we? Where is your snorkel? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm good. It's um, you know, I'd swim here. I, I hadn't got my um, oh, fuck, I can't remember the fucking quote with uh, with Millhouse. <laughs> He's got his storm shorts shorty. on. Yeah, I got my storm shorts on. I need to get my storm shorts because it's supposed to rain tomorrow. So I'm gonna get my storm shorts so my uh, ankles can be wet, but my shins can be bone dry. To date, this uh, from I guess when we release it, yeah. It's uh, been a madness up north, folks. It's, uh, I don't know how many feet underwater, but it's pretty much like, a, you know, the yellow submarine. Uh, how you been dealing with it, Cal? Uh, it's been fine, really. Got sent home early one day when it actually happened. Went straight to the pub. Um, Wait. Just watched a bit of Always Sunny, and then, yeah, it was perfectly fine, really. Not really affected me much. Um, it, we, we had a big flood back in, back in 07, back in old days. Um, but so my area is kind of okay already. Um, but we shall see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Watch this space. I might have to swim. Well, hopefully you're uh, dry and warm enough to uh, check our episode we're going to be reviewing today. And that is Lisa the Tree Hugger from Season 12, Episode 4. Uh, with the original air date being November the 19th, 2000. Uh, directed by Stephen Dean Moore. Written by Matt Selman. And the couch gag being, uh, it's the Teletubbies one where they all walk up to Maggie and she's uh, quite happy about it. Now, uh, as I always ask, um, Cal, do you have any, you know, initial young memories of this? Uh, what were your initial thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, a few a few things I, I always remember about this episode. I remember the big Lisa head on the on the giant log thing. Um, the vegan line as well. Um, I'm a level five vegan i don't eat anything without a shadow <laughs> um i've quoted a few times to some of my vegan friends um and the cow bit as well like i i always forget that they're all the same episode kind of thing um but i i kind of i remember ish this episode I, I i always think as well the beginning bit with bart is always a different episode um than this as well um as far as like the later you know the later seasons it's 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 an alright episode. It's not a terrible episode, but it's, it's not the best episode. But what about yourself? Well, this one is specifically tied to. I think I mentioned it in one previous episode. I had a VHS tape in two thousand two thousand one. Uh, I think it was even the last time we fully bought Sky, and these were the fresh episodes out at the time. And had this on there. Had the Duncan the Wonder Horse episode. Yeah, a lot of 2000, 2001 episodes. And I remember this one distinctly. The scenes I remember the most is the um, the Bagzooka. Because that got oh, yeah. played in all the initial Sky adverts. And um, yeah, I, I seem to forget everything else. It just seems to be the... I remember the song at the end, which I think deserves a bit more love. But as far as that, yeah, I'll get we'll get deeper into it. But um, I think it's... You know, I'll say it's a serviceable episode. We've, now, we've reviewed some, uh, some uh, true shit. Uh, in these later seasons, these 11 and 12s. 
And, you know, this one, it's inoffensive. Yeah, I agree. It's not, you know, it didn't make me visibly sick at all, which other episodes kind of did a little bit. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a watchable episode, best way I can put it, really. We open up this episode with Bart watching TV and it's the Crossy the Clown show. And we have him looking at his watch counting down, you know, three, two, one. Well, that's all the time we have today, folks. <laughs> um... Yeah, straight away in with the gags, and um, the show has been sponsored by Game Station 256, you know. One more number to make it that much extreme. Um, Cal, I believe... I mean, what does this look like? Because I wasn't a Nintendo kind of uh, kid. I was all about the PlayStation. And to me, this seems leaning toward PlayStation, maybe. I'd say it's it's very much uh, PlayStation over over Nintendo things. It's kind of like... It's in... Obviously, in the like later nineties, there was like Genesis and Sega Saturn and uh, Mega Drive as well, and then there was which were all Sega ones, and then um, there's more obviously Nintendo sixty four, and I don't really know many of the other Nintendos. Um, can't think, but yeah, and then obviously PlayStation came out. I think they kind of quoted Game Station to Summit. Um, in an earlier episode, I think it's the one where Bart steals the. It's the Christmas episode. Where oh he yeah, steals definitely. The game. Um, but it's very, it is very, very similar kind of like uh, it's like the old FIFA thing, isn't it? Really, like we'll bring it out another year, but it's exactly like the exact same thing you've got already. Like <laughs> it's hitting too hard for home here now, Cal. <laughs> and what do you think of uh, Krusty? You know what, I'm going to be a hack writer and do this kind of joke. I'm sure it's never been done before. What do you think of Krusty uh, paying a little bit of a tribute to Family Guy here with this um, stalling for time? Uh, I'd, we all do it, don't we? Like, <laughs> I'd, like at work, I we have to, if, 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 especially if we're on late kind of thing, um, not to kind of go too much into detail of the job I do, but I do work on phones. It's a sex line. Um, but... We basically, if if there's a calls queue in, and we go past one one minute past six, we have to keep on taking the calls. We can't just like switch off or anything like that. Um, however, if, you know, if I'm about twenty ten minutes uh, before my lunch, I'll kind of try and drag out a, a call. Like, yeah. I hope nobody at work listens. <laughs> it's kind of everyone kind of does it. It's just you know you just kind of like drag things out a little bit. Just, type really slowly your notes kind of thing and hope for the best. Bart um, sees this and he instantly wants it, you know, so what does he do? He goes uh, begging towards Marge for that uh, sweet, sweet game station. But um, Marge looks like, you know, oh, you know, I'll give it to you through a song and then starts singing, you know, put it in your cap, put it in your cap. Um, I will say, with even with the latest season, they do seem to write Marge quite well as this um, daft... Um, Awkward but cute mum. Yeah, yeah. I like that energy about it. I might be able to help you with a song about thrift. When you get a penny from a chum, don't just buy some bubble gum. Put it in your cap. Put it in your cap. When you find a nickel in the snow, don't just blow it on a picture show. Put it in your cap. Put it in your cap. I don't have a cap. When you spy a quarter in a pie. So he goes to Homer instead, you know, asking for money and Homer saying, you know, I'll get a job then, you know. Oh, okay, I'll have to do that. Oh, so you think you're better than me. 
Well, good <laughs> good for you for showing me up. Have some money and it's fuck all in there. I've done that trick once with someone on a night out there, Cal will say. It wasn't this exact sort of send up, but it was very much like um I think he that was it. Um he did a bottle flip. I went, All Oh right. well, I'll give you the rest of my wallet, you know, if um you can land this bottle flip. And he got it straight away, bang on, big eruption, and then I went, there you go, and bang, same trick. So it was a right blinder. We'll have Bart trying these uh, various other jobs. He's an, a sweeper in the barbers there. And um, he gets his first wage packet, but it's all in hair. You know, are you insane? And he gives him <laughs> the little um, the little wry smile there. So he just eagerly backs away. I'll just, uh, yeah, um, folks, we're getting into what seems to be a recurrent thing with them. Um, Seasons 10 to 12 as well. Uh, casual, I don't even want to say casual racism because Cal, you'll have a field day with me being sensitive. But we have a white actor portraying someone who is uh, not white or voicing someone who's not white. I didn't like any of this whole bit of the first act. I just thought it was a bit uh, cringe, Cal. I know you're a bit more uh, forgiving than I am on these stands. Yeah, I, I do. Like, I understand the whole. I, see, I don't really have much of a leg to stand on purely because, obviously, as far as you know, I'm a white male. I may identify as other, but who knows? That's another story for another set day. However, it's not. It's you know, it's it's using jest. It's not that it's slightly racist, but it's not kind of. It's. Not even contextual, really. It's it, you know, it depends on how how you can take it, kind of thing. And obviously, he's not overly overly racist. He's not, you know, he's not kind of like saying his daughter the tie boys or whatever. No, like, it, it's just played in in jest, really. So I don't I don't really see the the issue with. Well, it, maybe it's say. more on the writer's standpoint because I'm sure you could have this same character, but you know. Less of the um rolling of the R's, you know what I mean? I guess I don't think he's not he's not as bad as like the sushi guy. Like that's the sushi guy's bad. Like oh Akira, but then he's played by fucking. Sometimes he's played by um Takai himself. Yeah, yeah. But then he's I don't know. It's just how you it's how you play it. You take these. You hang time menu on door. I get more business. Send daughters to small liberal arts college. Swarthmore, maybe Sarah Lawrence. Call professors by first name. <laughs> Dynamite. So Bart ends up getting a job. He's flying a takeaway uh, menus onto door handles. He's getting through training here. Um, oh, God, this really dates here. We get um, a mix of Mission Impossible and um, the Matrix references here, which is very fresh in um, 2000. It's only been out, what, about just shy of a year now. It's been in the public pop culture. But, like, I swear everyone milked the, you know, the bullet time and the leap into the air. Every kind of um, sitcom or media for like the next 10 years, even Cal. Oh, 100%. It's 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 that classic thing, as, as we've described previously, me and Tyler have both come from um, script writing backgrounds. And one of the things, I never really said it when we were in uni, but when I was in college studying it, um, they always said don't, don't ever write anything which has got uh, any pop culture references or anything like that, especially things what are kind of like current because you don't know what's going to hold up. 
like how many, how many times have you watched a panel show or or you, you know like have I got news for you or anything like that? Oh, from, prime example from, from even like two years ago. Like it's it's not current, and then you'll just get reference and yeah, obviously the Matrix and Mission Impossible were quite big things, and it was kind of we got the references, but it, it it's like what you said, it dates it. I have Bart um dishing out all these handles now, uh, being a sort of terror to society there, but he's making that dollar, so fair play. Lisa's not happy because it's harming the environment. In fact, it is harming the environment there. Now, I will say I'm not a fan of the whole first act there and the, these previous jokes and scenes, but at least um, it does feed into the rest of the story. You see Lisa annoyed and this, you know, Bart's job does lead on to her, you know, s- striking and helping with the vegans. At least it's got that continuity there. We have uh, the family going to Krusty Burger because of uh, Bart's new uh, sort of money gains there. So he's treating the family. And we notice people in cow costumes on the roof and uh, home with one of my lines of the show here. Oh, it's come to this now. The cows are fighting back. They're going to uprise now. Um, who would have thought Simpsons would have predicted that one Cravendale advert with the cats with those creepy thumbs, cow? <sighs> and even Krusty's, you know, caught wind of this and um, he's come down there. Brought his uh, posse with him as well, but you know, uh, get back in the car. You know, it only works with the tiny car. And yeah, I don't know if you caught this cow, but with the foley, but you hear they're like the initial screech of them coming out and that energized. And then when they have to get sent back here, like the like it's like little sad, um, little sad hops into the car. It really caught me that I did. Hey, there are cows on the roof. I thought my pager was busted. <laughs> get back in. It's only funny with a small car. They roll down the banners, you know, Krusty Burger equals Earth murder and that. And these uh, hipsters, these hippies, these vegans, they're all busy protesting. Krusty wants to open a dialogue, but, you know, he's only saying that so they can take out the mother cow right in the head. <laughs> so he just starts. Um, I always find it funny, but I guess with, you know, modern society now, Krusty just sort of grabbing a random gun and having at it. Um <laughs> It's not the best sort of imagery right now, is it? I can I found that really funny where it's just like the clown what you think isn't as strong, maybe. It's automatically he's a guy who just grabs a gun and is just like He can't it. deal with his own <laughs> criticism of I know how to do it. <laughs> it turns out, you know, they're just bean bags and one of my favourite well, like I said before, the most memorable bits I remember as a kid is just a whole load of beanbags taking the lead cow off and um Wigan uh, with the line, you know, oh, glad you brought the bagzooka. Oh, you got to do what you love, chief. The lead cow, uh, you know, takes his hood off there. Lisa's concerned for him. And this is our uh, guest star of this episode, folks. It's uh, Joshua Jackson as uh, Jesse here. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was in uh, Dawson's Creek and he was in Fringe and a couple of other things. Um, what, uh, what do you think of his performance overall then? Not necessarily the character, but him voice actor. I was trying. I was generally trying to work out who who he was. Um, I didn't know if he because he sounds a bit. He sounds a bit like um, what's his face, Bruce Willis. Uh, not Bruce Willis. Uh, Brad Pitt a little bit. But yeah, I think his performance is very good. Really, he he, he plays the kind of like the dreamy boy, and he kind of play on it a bit, quite a bit. I want. I don't know. Like I said, I think we're we're not really the right generation for Dawson's Creek. Uh, but it, I think it's it's very. It is. It's kind of he plays the dreamy boy, and he kind of play on it quite a bit of him being the one what everyone fancies. 
Yeah, well, you have that bit where, you know, Lisa's getting into veganism, you know, initially because, um, and, you know, protests initially because, you know, she's fancies uh, Jesse herself there, but um, it does lead into something else. I think I'll save my thoughts for the actual Jesse character a bit later there, Cal, but, um, yeah, you get my full thoughts on that soon enough. We have uh, Jesse arrested there, and this spurs um, Lisa on to visit him, and she visits him in the uh, county jail. And he's busy doing, uh, you know, yoga there. You know, he was doing it before it was all cool. I don't know if I like... I don't mind a few vegan jokes. I feel like it's par for the course. But um, it's like every other... Every 30 seconds counts another vegan joke. And I, I got really tired of this. Um, obviously, yeah. It's, uh, you know, 2000 that. It's not widely... It wasn't accepted as it is now. Or nearly as marketable for Hollywood. But, um, yeah, I just found it a bit lazy, these jokes. You vegan sympathiser. They deserve <laughs> everything they Sorry, get. Uh, that's a soy boy cuck coming out of me, clearly. Fuck me, man. <laughs> nah, um, nah I, I, don't, I don't think there was a lot, really. There was a the kind of, oh, I'm, I'm a level five vegan, which, like I said, I've used... I've got a few vegan friends. Um, you know, I've kind of used in in, in my own kind of uh, way, but... You know, it's just, it's funny. I think it's kind of like, there's a bit as well, like like you said, where all, you know, like vegans and protests and stuff like that, it's a bit of a fad and it's just kind of like, oh, you're just doing it because you want to do it, you want to look cool yeah. and everything. Um, do you think I'll be able to join join the thing? Well, I think we'll have a uh, position in the poser level. And it's like, yeah, I can do that. It's like, that, that really made me giggle. Well, you have uh, Lisa getting invited to a, Dirt first, the protest group ran by Jesse, and they managed to sneak in a camera for this secret tree auction there. And we have um, the big rich Texan there, you know, offering a uh, one hundred thousand smolians, one hundred thousand dollars for a Springfield's oldest and biggest redwood there. And uh, he is my personal star of the show here, Cal. Um, Rewatching it, I think he's brings out the best bits of this episode. Um, just if it's just his dancing or his over-the-top cartoony villainous um, lack of care and that, and uh, I, I just like also love the southern drawl and the accent in uh, any sort of TV character. Uh, how about you, Cal? Are you a fan of this tertiary character? Oh, I love him. I think he's great. How does Crazy Rich Tex in uh, way up to reality? Unfortunately, not as much as you'd kind of hope. Um... It's, it's funny, like, I, I don't know, I went to Dallas, um, well, to be fair, okay, so I, I travelled all around Texas, um, various different cities, it's, it's a completely different than what I expected, there's no, there's no animosity or anything like that, everyone is really, really friendly, really happy to speak to you and, like, ask where you're from, and, and I only really got it once, but, like, oh, do you know the Queen, are you from London, like, a lot of them were kind of in tune with it. They were all really chill as well when you got served them. Um, we went to Dallas one day, but the, it was just basically like New York with cowboys, but cleaner. Um, but yeah, it's just it, you know, it's it's a fun it's a fun place. You don't really get as much shit as you expected, kind of. In, in like no, I feel like maybe some of that's because of um. Well, the colour of your skin. And now I say that, now you were called a certain word as well, so maybe you are quite down with it. Um, <laughs> do, do you want to try and clean that up for folks? 
Yeah, I was very drunk one day, um, and influenced by other stuff as well. Um, and I was kind of in a womble walking down the stage, uh, walking down um the boulevard in in San Antonio. Bumped into some guy. He was a big six foot black guy. He turned around and when does nobody <laughs> does nobody say uh, I'm sorry anymore? And I did. It's a very British thing, but I kind of mumbled it under my breath. And when I mumble, not many people really hear what I say. And I did say, oh, sorry, and carried on walking. He went, does nobody apologise anymore? Dumbass, N-word. <laughs> uh, oh, no, so he said he called me a bitch-ass, N-word, actually. Bitch-ass. Uh, to, uh, to quote him. Um, not really. Like, I, you know, my mate was Mexican. He was he, he was fine. Like, we didn't, we didn't get any, any shit whatsoever. It's a kind of a very... Um, kind of, it, it's it's not it's not it's it's a very it's a very kind of middle class kind of looking down on the American Southerner way. Everyone was ridiculously friendly. Like it didn't really matter that we you know we weren't kind of um you know we were foreigners kind of thing. The only arsehole I had was actually an English guy. <laughs> to be fair, um. You were a complete prick, but it's things happen, you know. It's a, it's a per, I'd, I'd recommend it to everyone. We have Lisa volunteering, uh, you know, to stay at the Redwoods and to keep a single protest there to make sure nothing happens to it. So, you know, initially she arrives and she's a bit nervous, but you know, she takes the climb and she able, she's able to camp up there and you know, see the views of Springfield. And we get the logging company turning up with a rich Texan there. About to cut them down. Um, yeah, uh, these this like next minute or so, Cal. I don't know. There's no real sort of jokes. It's just like to move the story along. That I wasn't really laughing. Even when Jesse turned up and said, "Oh, you're hardcore," and she swims and she falls, but a safety line gets her. I, I didn't really laugh at these next two minutes, Cal. Uh, yeah, it was. I don't know. It it was literally just the whole when she swung kind of thing, everything else. I, I don't know, when she was kind of spying on her family and then they put in Christmas decorations and it's kind of what you expect, you know, when you're a little kid and you're at home and you think, you expect everyone just to be like, oh, I guess we're going to be doing Halloween early and Christmas early and getting all presents and stuff like that. I like, the, I like that parody of the fact that, oh, we'll do the typically cosy things you see on TV sitcoms, you know, oh, it's, you know, Christmas Eve, oh, uh um, painting Easter eggs, it's close familyness. Uh, you know, I I understood that bit. That was fine, but it was just the you know initial her getting up there. I will say, um, one of the uh, lines that did get me, one of the few, but um, uh, the family find out what's happened to her, and you know, Homer's giving Jesse the business, saying, "Oh, you knew what you were doing with you know your good looks and your rogue attitude," and he goes, "You know, oh, it was her decision, Mr. Simpson." Oh, I'm sorry. I was so lost in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that, that was cute. Up. That did get my rise out of me. But as uh, Cal put, um, you know, Lisa's peeking in on the family life there and it all looks so cozy. So she leaves her post in the stormy night, uh, ends up coming back, and it's quite a cute scene. You know, Maggie's um, with Marge cuddled up, and Homer's resting his hands around Bart's neck after previously choking him in a nice. Uh, in a nice sort of sleeping position. So she ends up staying at home with the family. 
So the morning comes and realises, oh, I've overslept, I've got to get back. And it turns out, to end that too, the tree's, uh, the tree's fallen, folks. It's been cut down, so it seems. And this is where we get to Act 3. Uh, yeah, as sort of, I don't know, as, like I said, as inoffensive and you know straightforward as this episode is, Cal, at least it's got its pacing right. We have uh, Kent Brockman. Oh, before we get to Kent Brockman reporting on the tree... Um, did you enjoy uh, Kent Brockman being a bit Piers Morgan on Greta Thunberg with Lisa, you know? It was something like, oh, whether you believe her politics or not, you've got to go watch this crazy little nutter just for what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, I thought he's... Uh, he, Ken was kind of really good in this in this episode. Where, I liked um, him, yeah. There's a, l- a little bit later on. Like I said, I've always, the thing what I've always liked about the Simpsons, especially the, the later-ish Simpsons, is when they play on... The le- like the 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 um kind of minimal custom, uh, characters and stuff like that um background characters and stuff and you kind of expect them to uh they they always have the funniest lines in my opinion of the episode um but yeah I do agree is is I don't know it's just little bits like that the little the little things are like the extra characters they're the best parts yeah because Wiggum's there at the site and they think uh they say oh. Oh, Lisa's bucket, you know, caused the tree to get struck by lightning, and that's how it fell. And Wiggum hits it with, um, oh, well, because she's not here, we think she exploded. Back to you, Kent. No, only I get to say that. It's like, it's like the classic when um, one of the older episodes and Conan uh, guest stars on it, and uh, Hilma starts dancing because you can't dance, only I can dance. We have the crazy rich Texan there, and Jesse's there as well, paying the tributes. And even cuts lock of lock of his own hair, you know, and saying, um, like, you know, I cared so much about her, and th- uh, this is what I don't like about the Jesse character. I think just how he delivered, uh, these like intimate lines about Lisa. I think it to me it just got played off as uh, not creepy, but I think it's a bit overly passionate. I know, I know, obviously she's passed, but like even before that, it was a. Uh, I don't know how to feel, uh, Cal. I think maybe it was a bit too uh, bordering on something else. It's I, I don't know. I think it's just because his voice... He's not drawn well. You don't really know how old he is. You know he's a teenager. Um, but you don't you don't really know much else. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they could have probably worked, worked him a bit better. Yeah, I think maybe it was a matter of um, workshopping the character a bit more. Lisa's dead, according to the media there. And, um, you know, Marge says, you have to tell them something. But no, I can't do that, Mum, you know, because otherwise they'll tear everything down. And, you know, we would have lost. And before we get to, uh, you know, Lisa confronting everyone, we get a couple of nice scenes here, actually. We get, um, you know, good old next-door neighbour and uh, Cal's favourite dress-up, Flanders. Coming over with a, with a pie to ease the pain and Homer panicking, you know, like you could easily just get Lisa out the way and have Marge answer the door, but no, he's just stupidly committing to right wrap her up in a blanket, dummy in the mouth, and come in. And we have a uh, Bart uh, at the principal's office there. Um, Skinner's got his own shrine to Lisa, and he says, "Right, students in your situation, we just give them straight A's." Oh wow, what for? Well, for the untimely loss of your sister. Oh yeah. Ah, what a pain. And a final sort of um, getting grief and sort of benefits from it. We have Homer going with a tacky shirt on, you know, saying, oh, my little angel. And 
He's got a request for Mo from Lisa, you know, rip up the tab and pull pickled onions down your pants there. And, you know, he's never said no to a dead girl before, which um, now known what I know rather than when I was eight initially watching it has got <laughs> different undertones now. But, I mean, what did you think of these lead-up scenes to Lisa's confrontation then, just the little how the families are abusing the privilege here? Because I, I quite enjoyed them. It, yeah, I agree. It makes sense to... Um within the characters of just being kind of especially Bart and Homer just being the scummiest type of people they are. Right? <laughs> to to kind of take it's advantage almost, of it. It's more, always it? sunny kind of vibes as well. Oh definitely, yeah. Um you know, taking advantage of, of dying people's you know, Charlie Charlie's done it twice with say, faking that he's got cancer like once oh, with, yeah, with yeah. his mother. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a, you know, a fun little cutaway. It kind of brings the wider uh, people in. Have the sort of reveal of the nature reserve that's going to be in Lisa's memory there, and uh, someone's going to play her, you know, beloved sax. But <laughs> Millhouse, um, you know, I've said it before with different characters, maximizing the minutes here, saying. No, uh, you can clone the spit from it, and he runs off the little creep. But uh, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> and now Branford Marcellus will play using Lisa's very own saxophone. Don't touch it. They can clone her from the spit. <laughs> good luck, Millhouse. Lisa turns up out of nowhere, and everyone's shocked there. And you know the only thing that I'm not dead, and neither is you know my blinding moral outrage. And, uh, you know, the rich Texas not having any of this. He doesn't care about life, you know. He's even got a trampled on gopher underneath his uh, underneath his big vehicle there. But Jesse's got his bolt cutters there and he, you know, chops the guide wires down. And the little Lisa tree with a big head on the top um, ends up just sort of going rogue. It's very, um, I don't want to do this because it makes me sound lame, Cal, but I got flashes of, Thomas the Tank Engine, only because of how it's sort of, you know, when you get one of those, when you had one of those really good episodes, I don't know how, how big of a fan you were, it's probably baiting myself out, but I felt like <sighs> the best episodes were like the big, archaic, destructive episodes, and it just reminded me the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest bit of that. The big Lisa log there is barreling through Springfield there and taking stuff down in its path, and, you know, the vegan protesters are happy there because it, blows through the rich Texans, you know, company. But then it equalizes out, you know, it hits something close to home with the townsfolk. It destroys, uh, was it Chinese fried chicken or Kentucky fried panda? It's Korean fried panda. <laughs> no, my Ling Ling. <laughs> <laughs> His finger Ling Ling good. <laughs> but then sort of, I guess, even out a bit, um, we have the vegan's favorite store, the hemp store get, um, smashed up as well and um crazy rich texan goes out with a blaze you know woohoo one for the bad guys score one for the bad guys because jesse caused all of this he's uh rightfully back in the slammer there but he's proud of lisa you know because she's alive and now she's done something good the world's been restored and the rich texans you know off and away the everything's pretty much resolved for this story, folks. Apart from, you know, the log itself, the massive rogue log. They even say, like, oh, I don't know, it could be anywhere. And we finish with, um, 
I'll say a very underrated and uh, you know hidden gem of a song of mine, uh, Cal. For this, everyone thinks about you know um, seeing my vest and that, but no one, no one ever mentions um, Lisa's log song. You know, well, I mean, what do you think about it? Because I I love this little ditty. Uh, I can't remember it much. I... Oh, and now it's going off into the sea. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of forgettable, being I forgot about it and I watched it like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. This log is your log, this log is my log. When lightning struck it, it kicked the bucket. I put some onions inside my trousers. This log is all right then uh i guess we'll get on to the rankings and ratings as we do um i'll go myself i'll say as much as the first act really weak at least it's you know a congruent story it's fairly well paced um i didn't laugh at a good portion of it but then the bits i did it was like i guess i could share the same opinion with you it was the tertiary characters that uh got me i really enjoyed the song at the end um you know i guess maybe now we'll modernize the veganism jokes are a bit hacky but um overall i'd probably rate this at a two out of five um safety lines Oh no, that's quite lame. Now I need something to pep it up a bit. Two out of five um, Samoans. Woohoo, wee doggy. There we go. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I thought it was an alright episode. Um, it, it kind of... There's funny bits in it. There's definitely funny bits. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not... What season is it? Is it 12, did you say? Season 12, yeah. So right yeah. at the end of our... Uh... As far as, as far as the rest of season 12 goes, I'm just going to have a quick look at it to see how it kind of holds up with the rest of season 12. Being, It's got some funny jokes. I think it, it's, like I said, the the tertiary characters what kind of bring it more uh, into its own thing. It's the, f- the first half is kind of, the first part is definitely forgettable, I'd say. Um... Yeah, there's there's some good episodes, and it obviously just got tennis to menace. And yeah, I was gonna say our most hated episode. I mean, it's a shining beacon of hope compared to that. True, good point. I'd have to give it a. Um, I don't really want to give it a two, two and a half beanbag bazookas out of five. Ah, you got you got to love what you do, Cal. And with that, folks, um, let's look towards our next review as we pull down on that random episode generator. And see what pops out um, next. Cal, uh, if you could, please. Get ready to confess your love for Mrs. Bouvier. As we're going to season five with Lady Bouvier's lover. Don't forget to like our Facebook, SoundCloud, and brand new on iTunes. Just search Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast and you'll be able to listen and support to your heart's content. Take care, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.